Welcome to the Think Christian Podcast. Josh Larson here with a quick note about this episode. We recently held the spring session of the TC Movie Club, and we wanted to share the audio from our online gathering with you here. With a new film from Paul Schrader, now in theaters, Master Gardener, we got together to consider his challenging, provocative filmography. Movies like First Reformed, Hardcore, and others. Our question? What do we do with Paul Schrader? Did we arrive at an answer? Yeah, quite a few, actually. And mostly we agreed it's a credit to Schrader that he's built a career worthy of such a question. Now, if you're not a member of the TC Movie Club and would like to join so you can be part of future gatherings, you can do so at thinkchristian.net slash movie club. That way you can help us decide what the topic should be for our summer session. A poll will be going out to movie club members soon. Again, that's thinkchristian.net slash movie club to join. We'll return with regular episodes of the podcast in the next week or so. But for now, enjoy our TC Movie Club discussion on the work of Paul Schrader. Well, it is good to see everyone for this edition of the TC Movie Club. I'm Josh Larson, editor over at thinkchristian.net. And this is our spring 2023 session. I have been looking forward to this one. And I think it'll make for some good, perhaps provocative conversation. Happy to be doing this again alongside our usual chat moderator and TC contributor, Zachary Lee, with a new film from provocative, theologically-minded writer-director Paul Schrader, just around the corner as we're sitting here tonight on Zoom together. Uh, that would be Master Gardener. We're going to consider Schrader's long, tumultuous career and ask, as Christian cinephiles or folks interested in theological movies, what do we do with Paul Schrader? I do think as Christians, it's worth asking what we do with the provocations at the heart of pictures like First Reformed, like Hardcore. He wrote and directed both of those. We can also consider Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver and The Last Temptation of Christ. He wrote the scripts for those. And so I'm hoping we can consider, you know, is there something helpful we can offer maybe in response to these movies, because many of us are coming from a similar tradition to Schrader's or um, convictions that his movies explore, shall we say? So is there something maybe as people with that sort of background we can offer in response that's helpful? Um, is it possible that we might learn something from them? Are there ways that we are surprised by these movies and we come away edified? Can we use that word? Perhaps. Um, I'd love to hear if uh, anyone feels that way or, or has had that sort of experience with a Paul Schrader film. Now, to help us dig into these questions, we have a particularly well-suited co-host for this session, Jeff Monroe. Jeff belongs to the same Dutch reform tradition that Think Christian does, and it happens to be the same tradition that Schrader grew up in and explored, I think, of the films I've seen most directly in hardcore. Jeff's also the author of Reading Beekner. It's an interpretive overview of Frederick Beekner's life, faith, and work. He's held many ministry positions over the years, currently serves as editor for the Reformed Journal, an outpost for Christian reflections from the Reformed perspective. So that word has been mentioned many times already, Jeff, Reformed. And it's in the title for what I and Zachary has already told us. Uh, he also believes is Schrader's best film, First Reformed. So I figured let's start there. Seems like the obvious place to start for the two of us, at least. And uh, maybe it will be helpful, too, for some of the folks here who are not familiar with the Reformed tradition. So, Jeff, what does Reformed mean to you? And based on Schrader's movies, what do you think it's meant to him over the years? Thanks, Josh. I have no idea what it means to him. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a short conversation. No, we, we, we'll get into that. Um, so for me to say the word reformed, you're drawing on, I don't want to bore anybody here with the, with the uh, minutia of this, but, but theologically, you're talking about a particular tradition that's born out of the Reformation, right? But really has its roots more in John Calvin than in Martin Luther. Uh, from the Reformation, and more an emphasis on God's sovereignty, 
so that um, that would say the reformed folks would say in matters of salvation, God is the primary is the ultimate actor that God does all that we don't save ourselves. Um, and so a movie like First Reformed begins its opening line uh, is Ernst Toller in the pulpit uh, reciting the beginning of one of the Reformed confessions, creeds, the Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only comfort in life and death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and goes on for there. But when you get to Schrader in relationship to that, you have to look at, and, and particularly in the Reformed world, I also I should have said this, that it, it's particular expression in the um, in the world that Schrader was born in is also an ethnic expression, that it's uh, Dutch, basically, Dutch Reformed, you've heard that before. And so Schrader was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, went to Grand Rapids Christian High School, then went to Calvin College. Uh, so he was raised in the Christian Reformed Church, which is the uh, denomination that Think Christian is a part of. Um, he majored in philosophy and minored in theology at Calvin College. He's got a brilliant mind. Um, he grew up in a family, though, that was very, very strictly religious. And so this is a really important thing for thinking about him and his movies. He didn't see a movie until he was 17 years old. It was sinful to watch movies. It was also sinful to do otherworldly amusements like dancing, playing cards. Uh, and I just need to jump in there because I love that you used worldly amusements. That's the actual phrase. I know that from being somewhat connected to this tradition myself. That is the actual phrase for such things, worldly amusements. Just gives you a, a flavor of what you're dealing with here. Yeah, so I, I just think it's kind of ironic given that Schrader also made a movie called The Card Counter about a, a professional card player. That, that was all taboo for him. So I think there's really two really significant generalizations that we can make about him based on that upbringing. The first is that he experienced growing up, religion was in many ways repressive, oppressive, and was a list of prohibitions. It was what you didn't do. You didn't go to movies. You didn't uh, do any activity on Sunday other than going to church. Um, so that's a that's a really significant thing. And that plays a lot into the movie Hardcore that you mentioned. But the other thing I think that's really important, um, he didn't go to movies growing up. And so like, uh, I, I'm imagining if you guys are all film buffs you you saw or you're familiar with the Steven Spielberg movie, The Fablemans. Um, this is, you, you saw Steven Spielberg at age, what, six, five, six, seven, the young Steven Spielberg seeing that uh, train derailment in the greatest show on earth and wanting to recreate that and, and create these special effects. And Schrader and Spielberg are the same age born in, in 1946, but such different upbringings and relationship to movies. So when Schrader, the first movie he saw was called, was the Jerry Lewis movie, The Nutty Professor, which uh, he was not amused by. He didn't find that funny. And then when he was at Calvin, he started going to movies and he went to an art house that was close to campus in Calvin's old campus uh, in uh, near downtown Grand Rapids. And he saw all these Ingmar Bergman movies. So while Steven Spielberg's trying to figure out how to do special effects, uh, you know, Paul Schrader is watching uh, a Swedish knight play chess with death in the seventh seal. And that really had a profound influence on him and on um, the kinds of movies that he would that he would continue to make. So I, I, I can go on with his biography because there's some pretty interesting things about it, but that at least gives an overview a little bit of, 
of that world and how we how we came to that uh, yeah was raised in that world that's good and i'm going to add a little um addition which i believe he shared this in the film spotting interview i was a part of um along with adam kempinar when first reformed came out when he talked about seeing those bergman films jeff i believe he said um and there's a link to it in the chat so someone you know can later listen and double check me i believe he said that theater playing the bergman films was also an adult movie theater and so and, and so they needed to i forget why the reasoning he gave they they either needed to just like fill another night of another night of programming or something so you know how he stumbled upon bergman he didn't really get into the details but he, he was familiar with that theater let's just say which of course would make sense um, when you see something like hardcore let me ask you and then we'll open it up um shortly here to everyone else around but as you're talking and describing god's sovereignty and God being the mover in our salvation. It is interesting to me when I think of, especially his last three movies, um, and I know you know only one or two other people have seen Master Gardener so far, um, but that and The Card Counter and First Reformed to a degree shows characters trying to save themselves or at least pay for their sins. And you have to surmise that um, they're doing that in the hopes of salvation, that that is the end goal. And th these are men who, maybe not so much the pastor, Ethan Hawke's pastor in First Reformed, but certainly Oscar Isaac's gambler in the card counter has walled himself off into this um, tightly ruled environment, partly to punish himself for his sins. Master Gardener, Joel Edgerton's gardener, um, Similarly, without giving too much away, we do find out fairly quickly on that he is living a second life, one of asceticism in a sense that it is very rigid. Um, he oversees this property that he is in charge of, hardly ever leaves it, has a very defined pattern to his life, and it is partly in penance for earlier sins. So I'm just curious if you see that, Jeff, as a pushback against that sovereignty you mentioned, a feeling that, or a hope maybe, that no, we can do something to save ourselves? Or do you think it's completely separate from that sense of God's sovereignty and, and he's probably just interested in exploring sin in general? Well, I think he's presenting people in existential crises. And I would say that the template for the whole thing is the movie that he wrote, Didn't Direct, Taxi Driver. Mm. In, the, in the early 70s. And all these characters, starting with Travis Bickle, De Niro's character in, Tra in uh, Taxi Driver, you know, he, uh, Schrader has referred to these as his men at the desk movies. And, and right before most of you got on, I asked Josh if, uh, if there's a man writing in a diary at, the de at a desk in Master Gardener. And he said, that's what the movie opens with. So in all these movies, we see people that are in this kind of existential crisis um, and they don't make it, <laughs> you know, it, they really don't fully make it. They try, but they don't make it. And they're crushed in some ways by um, not just the weight of their own, uh, whatever you'd say, psychic uh, crisis that they're going through but also they're crushed by the weight of America. Mm -hmm. So Travis Bickle is crushed by, you know, he's got serious PTSD from the Vietnam War. Uh, Ernst Toller in First Reformed encouraged his son to join the army and, and his son was killed and it cost him his marriage. He's crushed uh, by that. He's also crushed as the movie goes on by the climate crisis that's going on. Uh, the, the character that um, Oscar Isaac plays in The Card Counter is crushed by his participation in torture, uh, torturing uh, suspected terrorists in um, the Iraq war as well. So they're all crushed by these things. They all have relationships with women that almost save them, but they never quite... <laughs> save them um and and all these movies kind of end in a in a explosion of violence also mm -hmm. and there's some sort of um there's you can read them you can read first reformed a couple different ways about what actually happens at the end but uh, certainly with taxi driver 
there's even some sort of redemption that happens for the Travis Bickle character and saving Jodie Foster's character at the end of that movie. So there's some, so there's some really um, some themes that run through all this that that are that are very consistent throughout Schrader's long career. And just quick note, another plug for a TC piece. Jeff wrote for us when First Reform came out uh, an interpretation post on the ending of First Reform that Zachary linked to, which is really great. I'll add to that, Jeff, uh, in terms of Master Gardener, this uh, what these men are being crushed by or have participated in these sins. I think you're absolutely right. I see these three movies as wrestling with the of great American sins. So you mentioned environmental degradation and um, a prosperous nation's culpability for that, the U.S. Um, you mentioned in the coward con- counter, Abu Ghraib in particular is the American sin, but also you could extrapolate that to mean American warmongering uh, across the globe. Master Gardener, again, I won't give away too much, um, to me, is wrestling with America's original sin, white supremacy. And it was fascinating to see that develop. And in the context of those two previous movies, it surprised me just what I knew about it going in, which was very little, but I didn't see that coming. Whether or not it's as successful in wrestling with that sin, um, I think is going to be up for debate and maybe maybe for a conversation for another time. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, real quick, Jeff, maybe before we open it up, I don't know if you've seen, um, you know, half of Schrader's films, or I know you're not a completist, I'm not either, but of the ones you've seen, uh, do you have an answer for this poll question? Is there is there a clear favorite or best of yours among those? Affliction, First Reformed, Hardcore, or Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, which is absolutely fascinating. I, I watched for the first time um, preparing for, for this evening, and I think... A lot of people would point to that maybe as his best film, but do you have a favorite among those? Yeah, so um, you know, I will say that I, I um, love First Reform, but I'm going to give a vote for a movie that's not on the list that he made, and it's the actually I think the first movie he made as a director, Blue Collar, with Richard uh, Pryor, a great performance by Richard Pryor, Harvey Keitel. It's just a gritty. 1970s, uh, and I was raised in Flint, Michigan, as blue collar a town as there ever was. At one point, when I in the 70s, my dad and my two brothers and myself all were working in GM factories at the same time. So uh, I've I've always kind of had a special uh, soft spot for that movie. But then the other one that's not on the list because he didn't direct it. But I just have to say I still think Taxi Driver is a is a masterpiece. And so I know Scorsese shares some of the credit there, obviously, but uh, but Schrader has to um, get some props for, for writing that film. Yeah, for sure. I think if we threw um, Taxi Driver on that pole, it would probably run away, <laughs> run away with it. But I love the blue collar love as well. That's that's that is good to hear. All right, so let's see. Let's go ahead and open things up, and um, we can stay on this notion of the reform tradition. Um, if anyone is curious about more, we can go in another direction. If someone wants to jump in and share their favorite Schrader film and why, uh, or maybe maybe you've got an answer to this question: What do we do with Paul Schrader? And I think what I mean there is. Um, Make your case for his filmography, you know, make make your case for what you've found to be of value and um, or those other things I mentioned, you know, how, what are some helpful respo- responses you might suggest we offer? So that's the more difficult question. The best film is maybe an easier one or take us in a totally different direction. Um, anyone want to get us started? I'm not sure if I see a hand raised, but um, go ahead and use that feature as we get going here, just so we can get a nice line. But does anyone want to get the conversation going? It looks like uh, Andrew Dykstra um, is willing. Yeah, uh, Schrader, he's, because I grew up in a similar um, tradition as well. My, all my family is from Western Michigan. So, you know, the CRC Dutch Reformed tradition is, uh, you know, strong (laughs) in 
that that's what I grew up in. When we moved down to Cincinnati, PCA was the closest thing to that. So my folks stuck pretty close to that um, after we moved there. And I'm attending a PCA church here in Chicago now. Um, hardcore was one of my first uh, real exposures, I think, to Schrader um, as a writer and director. I had known his stuff you know, all of his collaborations with Scorsese. And I think Last Temptation of Christ is something that I would be interested in hearing some other thoughts on as well. Um, it's got, you know, the kind of the, um, I don't know about competing, but you have the Catholic, you know, viewpoint coming from Scorsese and you have the reformed, you know, take so like those uh, two influences together in the same film about the life of Christ um, was always really fascinating to me as well. But something about hardcore that really stuck out to me, um, especially as, uh, you know, Schrader had famously just kind of moved away from the church, um, was his perspective on what Reformed theology looked like and I thought it was encapsulated really well in the, I believe that there was like a, like a, a bus stop or like a subway scene in LA. I know LA doesn't have subways, but with him and the prostitute, Nikki, who he's, you know, kind of using to help find his daughter, um, he describes to her the acronym TULIP and he describes it in such an interesting way that was really both familiar and really uh, foreign kind of at the same time, because he, as he was kind of going through, you know, what, what each letter of Tulip represented, there was a real lack of love or warmth. And Josh, I was really fascinated by your conversation with him. Um, on that, I know that you were trying to kind of push him to, you know, kind of say more, you know, uh, as to like his um, his feelings on it now. Um, and he has kind of dis not not disavowed it, but he he's kind of called it a young man's, you know, uh, rebellion sort of against that. Yeah. Tradition. Hardcore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um man, I, I would love to pick his brain more about what was going through his mind um, as he was going through that because of the lack of the love of God within each of those, you know, T-U-L-I-P um, things. It just, it, it felt so cold and mm. clinical mm -hmm. in the way that he was describing it to her. He, you know, when she was like, what do you believe? And he's like, we believe Tulip. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was just yeah. kind of like an odd, uh, odd thing there. Well, and it recalls too the early scenes of the uh, setting the table of what life is like in this Western Michigan um, subculture. The after church Sunday dinners and the men having the deep theological conversations in one room. You know, you could just imagine them debating those points of of Tulip. And the thing that surprised me about Hardcore, I do think it is on one level what he says. Is this, um, yeah, like a, a young man's F you to his old man, I think is what he, he said in that interview with us. I think it is that. But I was surprised at um, how Schrader also could be seen as a, the George C. Scott character in a lot of ways. Um, this father who goes out to Hollywood and is having his beliefs, in the case of the movie, his beliefs challenged, right? And Schrader is also, you know, the the Midwesterner who was raised in these beliefs, clearly was questioning them, if not outright rejecting them, but still finding himself um, in this strange land of what would have been defined as sin and defilement and having to not even reconcile those two experiences, but hold them together and not knowing what to do with that. I think it's a movie that's deeply interested in um, trying to find a way for someone to hold their belief in the real world. I think that's what's continued to fascinate me about Schrader is that he's he hasn't jettisoned this interest in to reference the book that someone put in the chat, you know, 
the transcendental. He would call it the transcendental. You could call it the spiritual. Um, I mean, it, it's something that has continued to run through all of his movies. And he, why hasn't he just thrown it away? That's what that's what's curious to me. And I, I think it's partly um, because he is deeply interested in trying to understand is there a place that has room for both, room for this very gritty world that he himself experienced when he went to Hollywood, maybe experienced in Grand Rapids when he was attending the adult theater, um, and these deeply spiritual ideas that still have a hold on him? Um, well, and that's, you know, that's why the end of Hardcore is fascinating to me, too, because it's kind of cynical, but it's also a pretty literal interpretation of what... Uh, you know, election means, mm. you know, you really, really want him to, you know, as his connection with Nikki grows over the movie, you want her to become one of his elect in a sense. You want him to adopt her as a daughter. And yet he kind of forsakes her at the end and goes after his own daughter in the pit of hell, so to speak. Yeah. Like yeah. at the end, like I, yeah, that, there was really kind of a dichotomy to that that has never I've never really been to sh been able to shake. That's good. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. Uh, Jacob, go ahead. Yeah, when you, Josh, you mentioned, you know, it looks like it seems as if Paul Schrader is trying to, at least in hardcore, parse out like what is what is sin, what is not sin. How do we, um, as as Christians, as you know, believers. You know, trying to find our way through a complex world, and I want and you know, hardcore is we have the George C. Scott character who's very staunchly religious. I wonder if First Reformed in some way reflects a development in Paul Schrader's thoughts on where that line is. And what came to mind when you mentioned that, Josh, was uh, the Ethan the Ethan Hawk character's comment when he's maybe he's being confronted by the other woman that works at the church. I think her name is Esther. And she mm -hmm. says something along the lines of, like, are you feeling guilty because of what we did? And, you know, it's alluding, you know, kind of implying they, they had some sort of relationship. And Ethan Hawke says, um, I've seen enough real sin to know that what we did was not sin. And mm -hmm. I, that line just always stuck with me. And I wonder if that is, I think the Ethan Hawke character is, like, um, a, a fairly reasonable, balanced believer. And all the, obviously he's having a crisis of faith. And obviously he's He's got some own, like, you know, his, his own mental challenges, but he does seem to hold, like, hold people very gently in his, his faith, gently, and, and just thinking about the way that he treats uh, the Amanda Seyfried character and her, her struggling husband. I, I wonder if, if, like, that reflects Paul Schrader's maybe coming towards the middle in some ways and finding some, I don't know, just some balance. I love, I love my favorite line in First Reformed is when he's sort of being berated by uh, the Cedric the Entertainer character, and he's kind of going off the rails a little bit. Um, Ethan Hawke is. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer says, do you have any idea what it is like doing the work of God and trying to do the work of God? And then he kind of keeps steamrolling Ethan Hawke, and Ethan Hawke just barely like stutters out the words, I I'm trying, I'm trying. and and I just, I, I, when I saw that, that struck me as, and that may be what Christians are called to in a complex world is just trying. And um, yeah, and I, I just don't see the staunchness or the rigidity in Ethan Hawke that I do in George C. Scott's character. Yeah. And it is fascinating yeah. to me to think that could be reflective of Paul Schrader's own development. You, so you use the phrase complex world, and and yeah, I think absolutely Ernst Toller has seen more of that world than uh, the George C. Scott character, and so that's maybe a crucial difference. Yeah, Jeff, were you going to jump in? Well, I was just going to say, I do think there's something to that, what he just said. I also think it's important to keep both those, both of these movies owe debts to other movies, and so that's an important thing, too. Hardcore owes a huge debt to a movie called The Searchers. Uh, John Ford movie where uh, John Wayne stars in where uh, Natalie Wood is kidnapped by uh, an Indian tribe and raised as an Indian girl and it's uh, John Wayne's going to go back to get her and you don't know if he's going to kill her when he ultimately finds her or not um, or take her in. Um, 
and then uh, First Reformed has a huge debt to um, the Diary of a Country Priest, uh, which was directed. Somebody's mentioned um, the the book that Schrader wrote in the early '70s on the transcendental style of filmmaking. And one of the filmmakers uh, that he looks at in that book is a French filmmaker. And Josh, I'm not good with my French pronunciation, but I would just say his name is Robert Brisson, but you probably know. Good enough. Good yeah, enough. Good enough. Right. Yeah. Who directed uh, Who directed Diary of a Country Priest? Yeah. And then I was going to say, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, Toller is not, uh, he's not from the Reformed tradition He's not a Dutch character the way that the George C. Scott character is. Um, and and I, I also agree with the, the comment that the Toller character, he gives good advice. <laughs> he, I think he's really level-headed, and yet he's fallen apart inside, mm-hmm. which is also um, is something in Diary of a Country Priest. Both of them have uh, stomach cancer. I, at least you think Toller may have stomach cancer, and uh, both of them are... Uh, also have parishioners who are uh, suicidal, and both of them have temptations to begin a relationship with the wife of that parishioner. So there are a lot of parallels between those uh, between those films. Yeah, good touchstones. Yeah, Andy, go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, great comments and stuff. Um, I think. Uh, Paul Paul Schrader is a writer and director I've always found fascinating. Um, In listening to him talk about his work, I think it's clear that he puts a lot of himself into his screenplays. Uh, And I think he shows a lot of courage and vulnerability in the sense that a lot of what he expresses about himself is not flattering. Um, I always admire it when artists are able to be self-reflective or self-critical um and i guess i don't know in my interpretation of his work i think schrader is kind of engaged in a self-reflection or self-criticism um i guess this is kind of stating the obvious but i think the main recurring theme is loneliness and isolation um i think it's about the toxicity of isolation and about how spending a lot of time alone with one's thoughts uh, can kind of bring out the worst in us. Um, I think it's significant both that the isolated characters are often, if not always, men, uh, and that their isolation is often self-imposed. For me, the main takeaway in terms of spirituality is that a lot of times they're, like grace is found in a connection with other people, um, often a romantic connection, but sometimes, you know, a more of a parental kind of connection. Um, And it's like, it's there, but they can't access it, or they can't allow themselves to access it because of something they're fixated on, often something bad they've done in the past. Um, Sometimes I think what they're fixated on is clearly unhealthy or immoral like in taxi driver um but other times i think like first reformed or hardcore i think as an audience we can definitely understand why they're so fixated on what they're fixated on like there is there are very serious problems happening um and i don't know like i think um the card counter is not his best film, but I think it's among the clearest and most accessible in terms of how it presents a lot of these themes. Oscar Isaac's character is grappling with some genuinely traumatizing and terrible things that he has done. Um, and he has this great opportunity for connection, but just can't let go of the past. Um, I think that I don't want to say too much for people who haven't seen it, but that final shot in the card counter is really profound and I think has loads of spiritual significance. Uh, And First Reformed, Reverend Tuller is surrounded by people who care about him, uh, but he can't really allow himself to feel connected to him. There's that scene Mm -hmm. with Esther in which she is very concerned about his health and he's pretty cruel to her in a way that is designed to kind of put up a wall and create distance. Now, I think it's it's complex 
in that sense because i i don't think like the right thing is just to do nothing and say like i don't know it, there's there is that scene uh that was mentioned with um jeffers uh the pastor at the abundant life and you know him saying i'm trying to do god's work and everything but i don't know like it's 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 sort of i think they're complicit in something bad i think a lot of times the situations in schrader's films are like it's clear we can see problems with how the protagonists you know respond to these crises but we don't have i i couldn't say like what the right thing to do is um i think mm -hmm. it's clear that Toller does the wrong thing or is about to do the wrong thing, but I, I don't know what the right thing is because I don't feel like it's to do nothing. Um, and I think that, I don't know, for me, I think it, it's a lot, it's sort of part of the experience in that these films are about pondering and I think create these scenarios to be pondered without really clear resolution. Yeah. Um, Which yeah. is the transcendental style. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. To create, yeah, to create that space for the pondering. There's, there's silence. They move slowly. The cameras don't move, uh, and we have room to contemplate. It's about contemplation. It's interesting, Andy, when you mention isolation as well. Um, you know how that is handled in so many of his films because it is not presented as the answer. I think you're correct there, but also, it is still romanticized in some ways, you know, and that's why it's this recurring thing of the man at the desk in isolation, no lights on, there's one lamp. There's something romantic about that as well. And I think you could say he uses violence similarly. Um, it is not necessarily at the end of his films shown to be the answer, but in a lot of times it's the temptation of it is romanticized in a way that is interesting to me. So we've got two people waiting in line here. I just want to check in quickly with Zachary, see if there's anything from the chat you wanted to roll up to the to the top here, Zachary, before we move on. Yeah, no, I think just three quick comments. I saw Alex had put something about seeing some of Schrader's own struggles in the protagonists of his films. So just kind of the films being an extension of Schrader trying to work through or or exercise some of his own demons. And then I think Scott, I like your point about in line with that, Ethan Hawke's character being kind of like an idealized version of what a priest should be, um, kind of he ends up embodying Christ's sacrifice at the end. And then Jim had another interesting connection to and I think another one of Trader's films, American Gagolo, which I haven't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but similar theme connecting with what Andy, you were sharing about grace being found in other people. So if you scroll up a bit, you can see Jim's comment, I think kind of breaking down the ending of human connection being a, being a venue for grace. So that was interesting. Nice, thank you. All right, Tim, let's go to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, I think the, the beauty of Paul Schrader when you think about him is that we can even ask this question of what do we do with Paul Schrader? Uh, I think it's one of the greatest compliments that you could ever give to a filmmaker is that in <laughs> um, really, I mean, it's one of the, the greatest things you can hope for with a film is that it would bring about conversations like this. Um, and I think, you know, when I think when I look at I admittedly, I haven't seen a ton of Schrader films, um, but from what I have seen, uh, there's just this really great question of. For me personally, when I watch it, how do I, as a Christian, how do I intersect with the outside world? Um, and am I, I think it's very easy for the church and somebody, uh, Alex here just commented even similar to the, similarly to what I was thinking, um, Christians oftentimes aren't even willing to engage with films like this. Um, and I think some of that comes from a fear of being willing to question what you believe. Um, now, the the irony is that I think the more that we question what we believe, the more we find truth. Uh, and the more we either ground in the truth that we believe or the more we uncover new truth. Um, but the, the beauty of films like, like Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, First Reformed, um, for me has been just watching a character who, who believes something to be true, but is willing to engage with a different ideal, um, and isn't so rooted in their own ideal that they're not willing to intersect with, with something outside of that. Yeah. Tim. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. 
I just wanted to jump in on, on a little of that that's been swirling around and, and say two things. One is a, a quote I wrote down um, as I was preparing for tonight was a reviewer uh, wrote this about First Reformed, said, First Reformed will find its least receptive audiences among those who want either a conventional psychological drama or a dogmatic exposition of spiritual themes. Hmm. And I think that's exactly right, that it's uh, that for a certain kind of Christian, a movie like First Reformed or all the, the whole body of Schrader's work is going to be very, very frustrating and difficult. Um, and, you know, I've written on Frederick Beekner. He's got very similar uh, problems. He felt like he, you know, too secular for the Christian world, too Christian for the secular world. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other thing I was going to say was, I think it's important that we don't overlook that he wrote The Last Temptation of Christ. You know, he adapted it from, obviously, the Kazantzakis book. But um, I don't know if everybody remembers the enormous amount of backlash and outrage that there was around that sure. movie that came from the conservative evangelical Christian world. And you think of Martin Scorsese, who was the director, who had at one time wanted to be a Catholic priest. Um, he didn't really have a category for the people that were protesting to his movie. But Schrader did, because mm. th these were his people. These were the people he was raised among. And um, I just think that that movie confirmed a lot of his own negative feelings about the church. His experience with that movie uh, confirmed a lot of his own negative feelings about the church on the one hand, and yet he is a God-haunted individual on the other hand and, and creates these characters that are God-haunted characters. And to me, so much more interesting than somebody that's just good or bad, black or white, whatever it is. Yeah, that applies, I think, to, you know, I think that's what I meant when even throughout his career, he is still haunted by these ideas and this searching, which is what intrigues me about his work. Uh, just to go back to, you know, Tim, what you were saying, I think you were articulating something that, you know, I've, I've never really kind of put it in my mind that way, but you helped me clarify these subject matters and these worlds that Traders Films explore while not jettisoning the theological questions either. I think those often intrigue me so much because I have similar experiences if I'm somewhere that would be considered, you know, Christians shouldn't be here or Christians shouldn't bother with this walk of life, this part of life. And, and I often just kind of think if the gospel doesn't matter here, then it doesn't matter. And it's not a test if you want to use that phrase, you know, so much in church on Sunday. Um, it makes sense that it matters there. It's easy that it matters there. Um, we don't have to wrestle with it, with those truths you were talking about, Tim. You know, like th those truths are self-evident and a little boring <laughs> in church sometimes, right? But if you get out of church and you get to, you know, a street in Hollywood that that's explored in, um, in hardcore, um, you know, or that's explored in a Sean Baker film like Tangerine. That's where I start to ask myself, like, what does the gospel mean here? Because this is where it matters. Uh, of course, it matters in those other places, too. But if, if it's going to mean anything, it has to mean something here. So anyway, just just thanks, Tim, for helping clarify that in my mind a little bit. Um, let's jump to Mark. Sorry, Mark, if I caught you off guard there. We, you were, you've been patient with us, so uh, maybe it's not working. So we'll we'll see if um, if they'll jump back on. Otherwise, uh, it looks like uh, Andrew, you got something quick to share while while we see if um, the audio works for Mark. Yeah, for sure, Mark. Hope it uh, comes back. <laughs> um, I am very interested in what everyone thinks about the God's lonely man sort of template that you know Schrader has kind of adopted as you know the theme of many of his films I don't I know affliction hasn't been brought up yet um it's also one of my favorites of his 
um, maybe kind of an inverse of hardcore in a sense where, you know, the struggle with this father figure um, is uh, much more direct, I guess, than it was in, uh, in hardcore. But yeah. Yeah, so Affliction is one that I haven't seen. I don't know if we have a, a fan of the film that wants to address that. Somebody just saw it last night. They put in the chat. Taylor. I know Taylor. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, um, but if you have any quick thoughts about what you thought of Affliction. So I had not seen Hardcore, so to hear that it is this interesting inverse of the sort of parent-child relationship definitely wants me to make a wants me to catch up with Hardcore that much more. Uh, but watching Affliction, having seen you know some of his more recent films like First Reform and The Card Counter, I was like, oh, this is a Paul Schrader film, all right. In terms of these, you know, very uh, this protagonist, the Nick Nolte character Wade, uh, really just feeling this sense of isolation, and then the explosion of violence at the end, like the template is all right there. The thing I, I found interesting, though, that Josh, when you were talking earlier about, you know, there's these sort of these sins of torture and of environmental collapse and and of and now with Wester Gardner of white supremacy that these these protagonists have felt that they have been maybe complicit in in some way or some part of are unable to break out of it. I found it interesting that Wade, sort of the, the really thing that led has led to his sense of isolation was, you know, the child abuse that was committed upon him by his father. And the, and the idea that he, rather than feeling like he has maybe to, you know, there's, there's a sense of, you know, breaking out of some institution to, to atone for anything he's done. It's really something that has been done to him. And there's, there's, it's this kind of strange skewed sense of guilt versus not guilt. Is he the victim? Is he a perpetrator in some way? Mm -hmm. Um, that that really, you know, I, I found it a fascinating uh, kind of, again, inverse to some of the things in First Performed, uh, uh, which was, weirdly enough, the first Schrader film I had ever seen. I was a little late to the game on <laughs> discovering his filmography <laughs> as a director. Uh, but but I, I really loved Affliction. I voted for it in the little poll that you uh, launched right there. It's a movie I'm still thinking about 24 hours later. But uh, definitely in terms of, you know, the way it, it kind of recalls some of, you know, the, the parable of the prodigal son. And there's certainly some some Cain and Abel uh, fighting brothers, you know, manliness elements that, that came up in there. And I still don't know what to make of it, but it uh, it really got got me thinking a whole bunch of different directions. All right, good. Well, yeah, that is one I definitely need to catch up with. Uh, sounds like it's well worth it. And I know it was well received when it came out, too, um, uh, among his films, one of the better received ones. Um, I want to try one more time uh, to see if the person with the hand raised wants to jump in. Otherwise, I do. There is a question I see in the chat here that I think would be a good one to end with uh, Jeff on. But the hand raised I see is Mark Michael. I don't know if that's maybe um, the name of the account, but it's not Mark on camera is what I'm wondering. So if that's the case and you would like to share. Yes. Um I realize right now I accidentally signed into my boss's Zoom account for this call. So sorry, Mark, if you're listening, I've done it again. We've all signed into someone else's Zoom account in the last couple of years. It, it, trust me, it happens. There's grace here, I know, because it's a warm crowd, so it, there's lots of grace. Um, we could talk about like the biblical themes in Schrader's movies all day long. And I was struck by your comment, Jeff, that there are so many Christians that, that do find and will find for solid reasons, Schrader's movies really unedifying. But after I saw First Reformed and started talking about it with friends, I found that some of the most profound appreciators of this movie were priests or other ministers. Um, and so I started thinking, so this has been a great exercise for me, even though his movies, the content, the content is quite horrifying. And a question I have is not so much about Paul Schrader himself, but about what Christian perceptions or revelations do his films confirm maybe, or at least positively probe, or he's not able to escape uh, these things, or his films are not able to escape, his, his characters are not able to escape. And I think I found a couple of answers to this as I, I watched Mishima, and hardcore um, in a row um, for the preparing for this. Um, and one big question his characters seem to have over and over has to do with this essential part of being human and made in God's image, which is the question of agency. How much agency do we have to change things? So maybe the relationship between 
providence or predestination even, and my own dignity, my agency, my, my God-given powers as a human being to change things, to perceive them. And um, I think uh, that uh, you could say his movies are about angry white guys, maybe, but I mean, like, not just. There's also, like, an Asian man and women who are in his movies. But I think it's they're about people who have a spiritual perception that's not incorrect. It's not totally incorrect, but they come to the wrong conclusion and then act in a misdirected way according to that conclusion. So in terms of theology, like what theologically are they stumbling over? And as someone who's taught Sunday school, I'm like, what should they have learned when they were a kid that could have helped them, you know, avoid <laughs> this problem? And two things come up for me that connect to the Catholic question. Um, one is, and this is not particularly Catholic, but one is how to live a properly incarnated life, which, which for me, you know, would be deeply connected with the sacraments. So in Mishima, for instance, the main character's problem that turns to despair is how to connect word with action. Like um, a, he says, a chilling word, a, a perfect chilling word with a hot, dark action. Where do these come together? Mm -hmm. Well, we know they come together in the word made flesh. He's asking, where can hmm. I find this? And so another thing that keeps coming up, someone brought up women. You know, where do women belong in his, mo in his movies? Almost almost as salvific figures and mm -hmm. i have seen when well, i watched first reformed and i was like is he almost is this almost a marian kind of thing where where the woman where the female figure is participating in redemption and holding it out in a very specific way in a very incarnated way and the main character you know is it's held out to him and he chooses to receive it or not or starts to receive it and doesn't quite or maybe at the end of first reformed actually does um so anyway, my takeaway in brief is, is, is good catechism is important. Um, and uh, we should all, you know, if you teach Sunday school, please do it really well. And also that Catholics and evangelicals really should get together more because the world uh, really struggles when our, our, our bases of wisdom are, are divided and not sort of flowing together for the, for the life of, of the world. Hmm. All great stuff. Um, we should have gotten to you earlier because you posed some questions we'd <laughs> we'd be able to chew over in some extra time. But I can speak to one aspect and then maybe we'll turn it. Um, uh, we'll give Scott a quick word here and then we'll turn it over to Jeff to maybe respond to what you were just sharing. But I think I would add that I've appreciated his work in presenting these different ways of asking spiritual questions that are outside of the tradition I'm familiar with. Um, that has helped me to be differently rounded as a person of faith. To your point about different traditions coming together, the value in that, I found that to be true just by watching Schrader's work because he's had that curiosity outside of his own tradition. Um, so that's been one value for me from his films, absolutely. Um, Scott, did you want to jump in re really quick here? Oh, I was just clapping for the last comment. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> so good. I loved what she said. And I think. Um, I, I will also say I love that people are doing what I intended to do and actually preparing for this by watching some of his his. Uh, his I know, films. I know that's so encouraging too when I hear that. So hooray for for so good anybody. job everybody except me because <laughs> uh, all I watched was First Reformed and Taxi Driver a long time ago, and I meant to watch more, but. Well, now you're now you're inspired to do so after tonight. So, um, yeah, Jeff, did you have any um, anything you want to jump off on either those last comments or just kind of a con concluding comment here as we wrap up? Yeah, I, I appreciated the comments very much. Everybody's comments all night. And somebody just put in the text or the chat. What I was just thinking was, you know, her name is Mary and she is pregnant. So th there is a little bit there. Right. That, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he said, uh, I saw another interview with him, which an interesting thing about him is he's very willing and open to discuss his work and, and talk about it, which I think is great. Um, and he said he appreciates his upbringing now. He didn't appreciate it at the time that he made hardcore. And he said, you know, it was Calvin and the world that I grew up in was a brick wall that I threw myself against. And it was really important that the brick wall held because it's not good for revolutionaries when the brick wall crumbles. 
And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's actually some wisdom in that. And I think he's much more at peace today, if he can be at peace, than he ever was. Um, he, by his own admission, goes to church these days. Um, I don't know if you all are aware, he's married to the actress Mary Beth Hurt, who um, has Alzheimer's disease, and they live in a senior living facility in New York City, and she's in memory care there. And I just think it's amazing that a 77-year-old man with a wife with Alzheimer's who's living in a senior living facility is still making movies that we're all talking about and thinking about. And so God bless Paul Schrader for, for that. And I think the perfect way for us to honor him tonight is to all have a glass of whiskey and pour some Pepto-Bismol into it. <laughs> oh, just no. Kidding, just kidding about that part, Josh. But uh, you're, being, yeah. you're being recorded, Jeff. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's in the movie. What what a what a perfect image um, he conjured, though. I, that is that's one that's, you know, an all timer. That's always going to stick with me. Thank you so much, Jeff, for for all that you've brought um, tonight and mentioned the Reform Journal, where you're the editor. You were telling me um, beside your Beekner book um, that you have a Reform Journal book project in the works. Maybe as we go here, share that for, for the folks who are gathered, because some of them might be interested in keeping tabs on that. Yeah, reformjournal.com. We put out new material every day. Welcome you all to, to check us out. And yeah, I there you go. There, there it is. Way to go, Zach. Um, and we're working on a, I'm working on a book right now that's going to be called Telling Stories in the Dark, which is a very, I don't know if anybody's a Frederick Beekner fan, but it's a very Beekner-esque title. Uh, which really uh, picks up on my first book about Beekner and picks up with one particular Beekner concept called the stewardship of pain. Going through experiencing great trauma and actually doing something redemptive with it, as opposed to the characters we've seen tonight and talked about tonight <laughs> in the Schrader movies. Um, and uh, so the, the book is a collection of stories of people that have had uh, that have done that in life. And some of them are well-known people like Nicholas Waltersdorf. One of them is uh, Josh's pastor uh, and uh, and just some other folks. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. And that should be out about the first of the year in uh, 2024. So thanks, Josh. Thanks for the opportunity tonight. You got it. Thank you. Zachary, thank you so much as well for monitoring the chat. Do you have anything? I mentioned your TC piece. Uh, anything you're working on over at Sojourners you want to mention? Yes, I was going to say there's a piece. I recently wrote a piece in, in thinking about uh, environmental activism, activism on how to blow up a pipeline, the, the film from Neon. So chewing through some ideas of what does Christian nonviolence look like in there and then for July, uh, the July issue of Sojourners, I wrote a piece about looking at the films Babylon, Nope, and Glass Onion, and just looking at the dangers of spectacle and how what the Bible teaches about awe and how that can kind of be a helpful counterbalance to spectacle. So just some pieces that's coming up and what I've written recently. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks again, Zachary. I'm going to call it here on our poll, though maybe... Nothing too dramatic, it looks like. Uh, First Reform did take the poll with 70% of the vote. Uh, Affliction got two votes. It wasn't just you, Taylor. Um, Hardcore got one, and then Mishima got two as well, and then one vote for other. So thank you all for participating in that. And let's see here. Stay tuned for um, email coming up for our summer session. It's going to come quicker. That's how the summer tends to go for me. Um, it'll be here before we know it. So I think we'll probably gather in July, and I'll have to get that poll out pretty quickly then to hear what topic you all would like to discuss. Right now, I'm thinking I might re-offer... It was so close among the three last time, so there was definite interest in all three topics. So I might reoffer the Greta Gerwig and the Miyazaki 
options again. Um, both of those films that would hook to those topics will be out in July or later in the summer. And then maybe uh, a third option, uh, maybe Wes Anderson something. I mean, I, I don't want to just, you know, serve myself here, but I'm thinking there might be an excuse to do a Wes Anderson topic as well. So keep an eye out for uh, that poll to come via email and please respond so we know which way you guys want to go. Again, that gathering will likely be held in July. Thank you all for joining tonight, for your good comments, your participation, um, your enthusiasm, the pre-homework you did. Very impressive. I do love hearing that. Um, thank you again, and I hope to see you again in the summer. Take care. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs>